Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. Believe That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep on breathing. In the City of Angels in Los Angeles and from the Big Apple in New York City, welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I'm Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver at caregiverdave.com, along with my lovely co-host, Adrian Gruberg at thecaregiverspace.org. And we're coming to you live and on demand 24-7 on numerous syndicated radio radio podcast (laughs) networks. on. I love that, radio. If, if you say radio, you global you audio and video platforms, as I said, 26 global audio and video platforms, including iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Vimeo, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio. Oh, my. Shall I go on? No. Right. In fact, we are proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM, number two caregiver podcast on Feedspot out of the top 60. That's not easy to do. And number two, Caregiver Podcast on CaringVillage.com. And we have an especially exciting show planned for you today, don't we, Adrian? Yes, we do. I've got a lot to do today because I've got to catch a plane at first thing in the morning to Philadelphia, where I'm going to meet the one and only Dr. Oz, Senate candidate for the state of Pittsburgh, I believe. And... uh, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Did I say the state if, of Pittsburgh? If you've ever met anybody from Pittsburgh, they think <laughs> they're their own state. So he's right on the money. The last okay. time, the last time I was in Philadelphia, I wanted to get a f- cheesesteak sandwich, which I did. I wanted to um, have a picture with Rocky, which I did. You know, the statue. I had to wait yeah. twenty minutes in line for that. <clears throat> and then I wanted to run up the stairs to the whatever that was. And I was and I was just too tired. And I said, next time. But I don't think <laughs> I'm going to do it this time either because I have a sore hamstring from falling down in a parking lot because I was stupid enough to walk in a planter. But enough about me. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Carrie Forrestal, emergency medicine doctor and author of the book Crushing Cancer, a patient's complete guide to managing a cancer diag- diagnosis. Diagnosis, that's how you say it, right? Started in EMS at the age of 16. Get out of here. Nobody starts EMS at the age of 16, do they? When you work for an American Legion ambulance, you can. Huh. They were old World War II vets who said, I was killing Nazis at your age. Yeah, come on. So, and okay. the, the other kicker there was my mother was an ambulance driver. So I was 16 with my mommy. So they they let me go ahead. I see. And you volunteered for 17 years at various EMS agencies around New York City. Ocean Lifeguard for seven years. Yes. Um, I don't know what OKNS. Okinos. Okinos. Whale and Seal Stranding Organization on the east end of Long Island. Wow. Are they still there? They've changed. It's it's now uh, there's another organization. These th- these organizations change over time. I forget what the name of it is. 
off the top of my head now, but yeah, great fun Adrian, running around. Adrian is a save the whale kind of a person, aren't you, Adrian? Yeah, of course. Of but course you are. <laughs> my other place is on Fire Island, so I'm a long... <laughs> I, I have chased seals in the middle of the night on Fire Island. Uh, we, we have done that, so yes. So it's great out there. And so yeah. my gosh, we had a lot of dolphins last year. Yes. Yep. Yeah. No, it's right. been, uh, it's neat out there. It's lovely. So doing your part to rid uh, Fire Island of seals. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Currently an attending physician in a trauma center in Maryland. But before we get started, let me take this moment and thank my last week's guest, Kim Sorrell. And she wrote a book about the four-letter word that will rock your life. And that word is love, L-O-V-E. So just a reminder, you can watch or listen to that interview and all our interviews on our membership website, caregiverdave.com, or any of the other 26 global networks that I mentioned earlier, iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, etc. All right, enough of that. Dr. Kerry, welcome to the Caregiver Dave Show. We're so excited to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate your time. Hey, it's our pleasure. And I always like to ask my guests, who is Carrie Forrestal and why was he placed on this earth? <laughs> my, my wife would tell you the maker of messes in the kitchen. Uh, my parents would tell you the driver of blood pressure. Um, and why was I put here? Uh, still working that out. But I, I think if I, I look at my pattern, it's hopefully to help a few people who are in a rough place. My dad is, my dad is an Irishman. No, he's a proper Irishman from Ireland, the Midlands of Ireland. And he always said for his, you know, he's an Irish immigrant who came with a mechanic, you know, with mechanic skills. And he has a house in the Hamptons now. He was in the Air Force out there. Oh. House, you know, and he goes, as good as we've been treated in this life, you have to give something back. And, and I've always taken that to heart. As good, as good as life has been to me. I mean, those are wonderful adventures. Sure. Um, and, and as a doctor, I mean, it's such a, you know, such a privilege to help people out. But you, you got to give something back. So. You know, you, you go to Haiti for the medical mission trips and you, you do the things that are more than you have to because yeah. how else and you can, right? is it hard? Is it hard going to Haiti and, and volunteering like that? Or is it just such a joy or uh, both? People are a joy. The, the people are joy. <laughs> uh, they're just they're just wonderful. They're such wonderful, wonderful people who've been given such a, a rough hand uh, yeah. and it's incredibly frustrating. But it's um, hard. It's it's backbreaking and it's long hours and and uh, you don't eat well, right? No, no. They, uh, they when we're at the mission compound, yeah. I mean, the, the chef there is just fantastic. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it's basically power bars, you know, all day long in, in ninety degree heat. And it's you been, come it's been and years you come now home, since I've done it. You come home weighing less than when you went, right? Yeah, it's a great weight loss program. Uh, <laughs> you know, especially if you happen to pick up some of the the delightful things that you can get in Haiti. So <clears throat> now my wife is a gourmet cook and we all went on a missions trip to Mississippi Habitat for Humanity. We built a few houses down there and she was in charge of the cooking. And that is the first trip. Everyone said that they actually gained weight on a missions trip. <laughs> Would she have any interest in coming to Haiti? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. <laughs> All right. Um, why did you write this book and how does it apply to your caregivers? Give us the title again of the book. So it's called Crushing Cancer, A Patient's Complete Guide to Managing a Cancer Diagnosis. So I wrote Great it. title, by the way. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, 
So I wrote it. There are a few reasons. Um, you know, it seems strange to some people why an ER doctor is writing a book on cancer. But oh, yeah. during cancer care, right, where's the first place you go in a lot of things when things go wrong? Because you come to the ER and we see a lot of things that could have been prevented, avoided, if mm. people had access to good information. They say, well, you've got the internet. The world of information is at your hands. But yeah, sometimes that doesn't work out. My favorite <laughs> of those, it wasn't a cancer patient, but my favorite of those was a guy who came in with an echinacea tea bag stuck in his nose that had abscessed. Uh, and I asked him, why? Why would you put a tea bag in your nose? He said, uh, the internet. They said it was good for migraines. And he left it in there for so long, it got infected and almost abscessed up into his brain. So the internet, you know, there's a whole chapter in there of how to stay away from nonsense information. You know, you stay on the .orgs and .net and .edu and that sort of .gov, but stay away from .coms. So there's that. There's also the element that we diagnose a lot of cancer. People come in with a cough or, you know, my shoulder. We had one poor guy. He was a husband of our, one of our nurses came in golfer. He was in his seventies, just really living life, came in for a shoulder thing and went home with lung cancer and it didn't go well. So, and then finally. That happened to my husband. He went in with peritonitis. We thought that was bad, but when they took, when I took a scan to figure out where to operate, they aimed a little too high and they caught his lung cancer. Oh my goodness. Yeah. They, they, we do a lot, you know, they put a little bit higher up into the chest on most of those. Right. I, I'm amazed at how many times you pick up lung cancer on a belly scan. It, it happens That's a lot. Right. So, and my brother went in to um, uh, get, the, he had prostate cancer oh. and they, they put in this little um, rice size marker and they're going to put, put a laser right aim the laser at it or something like that and they missed or they put the the marker in the wrong place and it burst a blood vessel and he almost bled to death oh no so what was considered a very minor surgery i guess no surgery is minor right yeah yeah things can can go off the rails that's why they make you sign those papers yeah lots of big stack of papers so you know figure if you really mean it and so but yeah no any surgery can can badly a anytime there's anesthesia there's any complications from infection no surgery is a small surgery hmm. so absolutely so but and the third was that cancer runs very strongly in my family so grandma two bouts of um uterine cancer uh, grandfather died of bladder cancer mom's working on her third bout of lung cancer but she's doing great so it runs very strongly in the family so, so how old are you I'm uh, 58. Uh, I, I used to be 58. And, um, so how, so far, so good with you? No. Um, yeah, no. And so far, uh, you know, I, I've no pallops or anything. Uh, no, I, I have been lucky. Um, I, I came from a family of smokers, but I never smoked. So, you know, that mom picked up lung cancer, not, not the biggest surprise in history. And, you know, I worry for my siblings who did smoke and I got a lot of secondhand smoke, but, you know, I, I stayed away from the smoking aspect of it. So that's a major risk factor that I've avoided. Yeah. Um, you know, so other things, uh, you know, just doing the due diligence, just keeping, keeping an eye on things, making my appointments like, like I should with the doctor. Yeah. Is Do that why they always ask? I'm sorry. Do they have regular scans or what? Uh, usually blood work. Occasionally we'll do, um, uh, I'm at low risk for, for some of the cancers. Prostate doesn't run in the family. So a PSA, you know, would certainly do um, those sorts of things. Keep you, keep you whole. And you listen, listen to your body. If you have something that is not right, 
Right. The, um, you know, if, if you listen to your body and, and kind of convey to your doctor what's going on, you know, you'd be amazed. Uh, there are certain things that we hear that we know right away we have to have a concern. Painless uh, blood in the urine. All right. We, we're immediately thinking, you know, this guy has kidney or bladder cancer. If, if a woman who is postmenopausal has any uh, vaginal bleeding, okay, that's uterine cancer until proven otherwise. Those sorts of things. So, you know, what there, about there, blood in the stool? Blood in the stool would be a, a concern. There are a lot of benign reasons to have blood in the stool. But yeah, absolutely. If you start having blood in the stool, I would definitely get it checked, even though sometimes there are, it's just hemorrhoids, no? Sometimes, yeah, it's, I mean, it, it, the, um, I, I can do the blood tutorial in stool. I'd be happy to do it. It's, <laughs> no, it's no. Actually, depending on it the does. color, it tells us how far up and downstream it is. If it's bright red, it's going to be hemorrhoidal. If it's black, it's going to be from your, your stomach or your small yeah. intestine. And the red, the maroon is from the colon, diverticular bleeds, that sort of thing. So, and now you can become a gastroenterologist. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Thank you. Um, my mother will be happy about that. There you go. Uh, so let's talk about good days, bad days. Uh, sure. Everyone has those, right? Whether you Absolutely. have stage four cancer or whether you're a healthy, normal, young person. Yes. Your girlfriend just broke up with you. Uh, well, if my girlfriend breaks a bad up, day. she's going to be quite mad about that. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, no, definitely um, there, there is a chapter in there, a whole segment about good days, bad days, and especially for your audience caregivers. I mean, they're under, at, at the best of times, they're under enormous stress. They have a responsibility for another human life, you know, and, and you know, there's stuff going on in the world and, you know, the car breaks down and the shoelaces break and, and it's, it's never the big thing. You know, you can carry a lot of weight, but it's the, you're you're in a rush and and you break the shoelace and man, that's it. That's that's the trigger. The car that's doesn't so start. Yet. I mean, how, what do you do when you break a shoelace? You're 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 just at everyone's mercy. Everyone's going to look at my shoes. Yeah. Um, I guess smart people have an extra set of shoelaces, right? Um, or, or loafers. <laughs> That would do it right there. Loafers. If we get the world on loafers, we're going to make a lot of happier people. That's a great idea. So, but the, yeah, um, they should just make unbreakable shoelaces. I mean, that's <laughs> titanium, but they're very hard to tie. <laughs> the only thing. So, but um, yeah, it, it's always the small thing that'll get you, you know, and it, you were saying about being smart. If, if you know that you're getting up on edge like that, you know, just if you can take the step back before you get to that breaking point, you know, if you see it coming, if you listen to, you know, you're under pressure, you see yourself getting more and more ramped up. Everybody has their things that they can do, you know, that they do do to try to break the pattern of just escalating tension, yeah. you know, and, and try to find that, um, try to find that escape, that relief valve. Um, you know, we talk about escape, you're talking about breaking the pattern. This is, uh, t you, you know, uh, Tony Robbins? Sure. Right. So, and he talks about breaking the patterns. Sometimes. And I think that, that was, you know, some of it's good, some of it's bad, but that I thought was particularly good that, you know, you get into these patterns and they progress, but if you can break the pattern before it fills itself or fulfills right. itself, you know, so you talk about, you know, escapism and there's bad escapism, you know, there's drugs, there's alcohol, there's unhealthy things that you do that take you out of the situation, but harm you. But there are other things that you can do. You escape into music. Uh, you can put on a dumb dumb film you know those are always great dumb and dumber yes <laughs> what's, your, what's your favorite guilty pleasure dumb film what, what no. would be your go-to it's just a superhero movie any <laughs> really uh i guess groundhog day 
So Groundhog, um, that's a great one, right? So and how about you, Dave? Uh, grumpy old man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> is that us? Is that so, but um, and yeah, like you know, beer fest. I mean, that's always a dumb one to just park your brain at the door. Um, there's going to be angry days. There's going to be venting, and one of the things that that really from day one you have to marry yourself to is that when somebody who is sick with, with cancer or with anything, the anger is not towards you. Right. Right. The anger is towards the cancer. You're just the most accessible outlet of it. So if you let it, instead of soak into you kind of wash over you and beyond like a wave in the ocean, you don't take it so much to heart. You know, it's, it's somebody's yelling at you for something you did. You crashed their car. Okay, that's you, right? But if they're yelling at you because they're really feeling miserable because of the cancer, it's not you. And you have to believe that. You have to understand that. And, and doing that, to my mind, makes it easier to go the long haul. And you will not suffer some of the negative consequences of absorbing negative emotions from others. Yeah. Time is going so quickly here. We've got to... <laughs> talk about uh, caregivers, you know, they burn out so easily, but um, we're talking about cancer mostly. So what are the three pieces of advice you would give to someone newly diagnosed with cancer on any long-term serious disease? Because all of their friends have advice. They all know this great guy with this great clinic that, you know, it's cutting edge technology and world renowned. Uh, gosh, I've been hearing that story all over the place. Whether they, you have a stroke, whether you have cancer, there's always someone that they should go to. And and that's a source of stress, isn't it? It can be. Everybody, everybody's got advice. And the best thing that you can do for a patient who's been newly diagnosed with cancer is listen. All right. They don't need, you know, they'll ask. They'll ask for what they need, but don't just shovel the stuff on because yeah. it creates uncertainty, you know, and uncertainty is a, is a source of stress. So the first three things I would say, one, um, when you get the diagnosis, start from Hour one, day one, that's the phrase we use in the book, hour one, day one, all right, to start to manage it. A lot of people will shut down when they initially get the diagnosis and they'll be offline for a variable amount of time. Some people who are real, just, okay, I'm going to take it there. They're ready to go in a day or so. Other people, it's a week, other people, it's a month. And you start to get to the point where you don't have that time to give away in treatment. So start from hour one, day one, get a good wingman, somebody that you trust, somebody who can listen with you. Um, and, and somebody who can help and start writing everything down, right? So from hour one, day one, start with your plan. Two, listen to your care team, period, right? The internet and all the, the helper friends that you're talking about, they're all going to have a thousand different things. There are going to be people who are going to tell you, just take the Laetrile or take the molasses cookies. I saw one guy who was hawking molasses cookies to cure cancer online, Ignore all of the nonsense. Talk to your care team. You chose them for a reason. Well, the latest thing is the uh, the parasite pill for pets, right? For oh, horses. Ivermectin. Yeah, yeah. That one's that's that's been a real uh, difficulty. Uh, I, I I mean, are they getting results? Are, are they claim that they're getting results with that? But yeah, who knows? Been, yeah. The thing with, uh, I mean, if you have river blindness, ivermectin's the stuff. Okay. You go take some, you know, if you've got river blindness, I'm all for it. Here's the thing, you know, especially in any medicine, especially emergency medicine, we want the simple fix. If you've got something that is very effective and really simple, we know ivermectin. We, we've been, you know, how many years, decades 
with this medication. If it cures COVID, excellent. All right, problem solved. I don't have to live in my guest room for six months so I don't infect my family before we could get vaccinated. I'm all for it. We're all for it. But you got to show us the data. You got they were pushing us. it for cancer long before COVID came around. They probably were. I've seen the I haven't seen ivermectin for it, but I'm I'm sure somewhere out there there's a guy doing it. Just, you know, it's an easily gotten medication that you can do a markup on tremendously. And, you know, they 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 do these things and it makes you crazy. You know, you look at the example of Steve Jobs. You know, there's a guy who's bright enough to change the world with, the, you know, the computing thing. And he comes up with a very treatable type of pancreatic cancer, right? Pancreatic cancers, adenocarcinoma, the bad one, take you very quickly, you know, and it, it's hard, but we're getting better at, at treating it. But he had a slow moving one, which is called a neuroendocrine tumor. So he had the time, the cure rates are really up there, 70, 80, 90%, depending on when you catch it. And he went, I'm Steve Jobs. I'm smarter than everybody else. So I'm going to juice and meditate and do all these things. And as you know, he passed of, of the pancreatic cancer that was enormously treatable. And, you know, Isaacson, the guy who wrote that wonderful book about him, you know, said he kind of realized that he made the mistake. But by the time he realized he made the mistake, it was too late. So, you know, you run around with ivermectin or molasses cookies or laetrile or whatever else, you're wasting time. You know, yeah. they can promise you the world. These guys, you know, these these charlatans can promise you anything because they're going to deliver nothing. And when they when you come up dead, they're going to say, if you'd only come to us sooner. We could have helped you. But now you listen and to those guys never covered by us. insurance. Yeah, they, they, they killed you. But if you come sooner, we could have helped. Yeah. So and it makes it makes you crazy. It really does. You see people you suffer needlessly and, people and do the things that relieve stress which makes the cancer yeah. worse. I mean, there are other things you can do, but listen to your care team. Definitely. Absolutely. I think most care teams now, you know, there's a, there's a real important division between alternate medicine and complementary medicine. You know, right. now, you know, so I use the example of the lavender candle, right? So let's say you go and you do radiation therapy or you do the chemotherapy and you're really feeling, you're really feeling bad. You light the lavender candle and it helps to calm you and it puts you in a more, more right. relaxed place. That's complementary medicine. But if right. you light a lavender candle and you expect it's going to cure your cancer, that's alternate medicine and it's, gar it's garbage. So it's not going to help you. So like I said, yeah, complementary medicine, we're all for alternate medicine has not been proven. And they have a, a, there's a joke in medicine. Do you know what you call alternate medicine that's been thoroughly, rigorously researched and proven to work? Medicine. <laughs> <laughs> All they have to do is do the studies and prove to us that it works and it's safe. And man, we're, we're all for it. We want more bullets in the gun. So we're not. So, and all like, those conspiracies about uh, we can cure cancer, but the pharmaceutical companies uh, are getting rich with cancer drugs. That's all baloney. I, I've yet to. I, I'd love to know if, if people are, are doing that and they're making all sorts of money. You know, it's like can I know about it? So, I mean, so, but it's not true. The pharmaceutical companies, they're no angels. I'm not trying to say they are, um, but they have given us a lot of useful therapeutics. And now with immunotherapy, I mean, it, we're really getting to a, an amazing day. You know, there've been four, there've been four phases of cancer care, right? There's been surgery from way back when, right? So we, there's even, uh, there's something, uh, yeah, you see that? Let me see if I can do that. That little guy back there, that, that thing in the frame, that's the Edwin Smith papyrus. 
and that is the oldest known medical text. And they describe taking care of cancers with surgery. And it's from like, a, you know, however many thousand BC, All right? So surgery has been the one that was the only thing that was the only game in town up until Madame Curie did the radiation thing. Then we had radiation. Then uh, Sidney Farber did his thing in the 1940s with leukemia kids. Then we had chemotherapy. Um, and now we have immunotherapy. They're finding that there are viruses that specifically attack melanoma. So you can inject somebody with a virus that will only attack melanoma. I mean, yep. we're living in an incredible age, you know? So yeah, uh, I, sorry, I went off on a bit of toot there. My That's apologies. Okay. No, therapy is really important. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. in the next 30 seconds, how can someone get a hold of you, read your book, uh, find out more information? So um, the book is on amazon.com. And um, we're going to try to get it over onto Barnes and Noble. And then the larger project where we're trying to collect stories from cancer patients to create books specific to the cancers is at warriorstance.com. Warriorstance.com. Warriorstance. Yes. Dot com. And that's where we're trying to collect. It's a cancer journaling site. It's not a discussion forum. It's a place for people to keep online journals while they go through their chemotherapy. And the idea is first book, general second book or the next three will be the big three which is lung prostate and breast and then we'll start going into the colorectal and all those things pediatric um if this pans out so the first book was to raise awareness for that project wow well thank you so much for coming on the show we really appreciate it it was a great interview thank you thank you and i thank all our uh people who listen to our show thank you so much for tuning in every week and making us the number one caregiver podcast. Um, I'm at caregiverdave.com. Please visit the site. Adrian is at thecaregiverspace.org. We both have Facebook pages with the same name, Caregiver Space and Caregiver Dave. And please check the like button below whatever platform you're watching this on so that Google can give us kudos with their algorithms and help even more caregivers. I would encourage you to pick up a pre-sale copy of my book, I tell every guest that comes on because it's a book about wisdom. It's called Secrets from the Hammock, Uncommon Wisdom for Uncommon Times. Okay, sounds good. Secret of the... Secrets, plural, from the hammock, H-A-M-M-O-C-K. Thank you. That's a good name. I like that. So until next week, thank you so much and God richly bless you. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys. Our featured speaker is a best-selling author who has written numerous books and articles. He's a speaker, life coach, and host of Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver radio program. He frequently appears on television and radio shows all across the country and has even shared the stage with Suzanne Summers at Harvard. But his most important role is caregiver to his beautiful wife, Charlene, for over 22 years. Please welcome Mr. Dave Nassani! I want to share with you a love story. In a couple of weeks, my wife and I will be celebrating 44 years of being together. My wife, Charlene, and I, had a fairy tale, storybook, romance, courtship, and marriage for the first 21 years of our lives together. One day out of nowhere, my wife has a headache, the headache of her life. She suffered a massive stroke and it left her severely speech impaired and paralyzed on the right side. And in that moment, our world turned upside down. I gotta tell you, the next two years was like a living hell. I just didn't know what to do. I felt guilty most of the time. I became a caregiver. I didn't even know what a caregiver was. I was experiencing the same problems that other caregivers experienced. If you don't take care of you, I can't take care of her. Well, that's why I wrote the book. Now I can teach other caregivers. I'm living proof 
that you can thrive as a caregiver. My wife and I travel now all over the world sharing our story. One day life is going to call upon you to be the captain of your boat. Heck, you might be saving your own life. Thank you. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing. 